Allen. Anybody ever heard of Richard, Reverend Richard Allen? Well, you're going to remember it after today. He was instrumental in starting the first black denomination called the African Methodist Episcopal Church, AME. AME Church. We have one here in Lulu. He was a slave on a plantation in Maryland. And then the first Great Awakening revival hit around 1730. People started getting back to the Bible, back to thinking biblically. It was an it's amazing thing. I believe we're going to do that again. Amen. Let's start thinking biblically again. Amen? And uh, people started getting back to the Bible. Uh, and it was an amazing time in America's history. A preacher came through the town where Richard was and preached to the slaves. Richard, a teenager at this time, got saved and was on fire for the gospel. When his master saw the change in Richard's life, he asked him, Why are you doing all this? It doesn't make sense. Richard then shared the gospel with his master and got him saved. Consequently, the master decided he needed to free his slaves, and he did. And once Richard was free, he ended up in Pennsylvania and continued preaching. And not just in all black churches, he preached to thousands of white and mixed congregations. He even got trained in medicine and treated hundreds of people when the yellow fever epidemic broke out in Philadelphia in the late 1700s. you remember that? Anybody remember that? That's tremendous. Richard made such a huge contribution to our American heritage and was used mightily in one of the greatest revivals we've ever known. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's pray for our president and those in authority over us. Hey, by the way, our president is going to ride. He's the grand marshal of the Daytona 500 today. Have y'all heard that? And him, him and his wife are going to ride in the, the beast, they call it, the black car that he always travels around, wherever he goes. That they're going to lead the, the cars around the first lap around the race or something. I don't know. But it's supposed to happen about 1.30 or something today. Isn't that awesome? I think that's awesome. First president to ever do that. This is a lot of things first pre- this first president has ever done that other presidents have never done. Amen. So let's pray for it. Father, we just pray your protection over our president and the first lady today as they go there to Daytona, Florida, to, uh, to represent our country and this nation. And we just thank you for this nation. Lord, what a great country America really is. It is a beautiful country. And uh, we, just, we just pray that that both parties, Democrats and Republicans, would come together to work for the good of this country. Lord, we ask you to just change hearts and minds and concepts and philosophies to bring people to come together and work together for the good of the whole nation in Jesus' name. We ask you to protect them and give them wisdom and understanding. We pray, Father, that you would surround our president and those in, in Washington, the congressmen, uh, with, with people of wisdom and knowledge of of God uh, to advise them and counsel with them and to give them ideas. We pray, Father, that uh, there would be a revival in this nation as well again right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm believing for that. I'm believing for that. Amen. All right. The title of my message today, and this is uh, part 16 in this uh, uh, passionately presenting the grace and truth of God. Uh, all all this year, God's grace and truth. Uh, I've been I've been preaching on this for six months. This series has been going on since since September the fifteenth. I counted up last night. Man, man, it's nearly six months I've been doing this. But it is awesome. Are y'all hot or cold? 
Now, last week we like to throw some people out, and I don't want to do that. So if you get hot or you get cold, uh, yeah, hug somebody. Get, sit closer to somebody. <laughs> yeah, amen. But um, um, I really want to, where did my wife go? She, she left me. She left me. Anyway, did you like that song we just sang? Amen. I think it was just, I believe it was God that we were able to do that this morning without Patrick. See, Patrick's not here because he's on the slopes in Breckenridge, Colorado. Him and Courtney and Anna and Andrew and her sister and, and uh, her son, Sarah, her sister, Sarah, Courtney's sister. They're all up there skiing in the snow and it snowed like crazy for them up there. Anna loves it. Anna's out there making uh, snow angels, you know. And so, but uh, without Patrick, I was reluctant to try that. But these other people pitched in. I mean, Ronnie did well on the guitar, and uh, Kim did awesome on the keyboard, and the girls singing. It was, we got a great praise team. They're just good. They're just good. Amen. Amen. But uh, I love that song because... Uh, I think it's very important for us to listen to what God has to say. And I want to tell you before I get into the message today, I'm going to talk about some sensitive things, uh, sensitive subjects today uh, that are very important for you as a Christian and to have a biblical understanding of what the Word of God says about uh, these issues in life. And so, but I, I, want, I want you to hear me as a messenger and and it's not, I'm not saying uh, this is all perfect and the world is perfect God's way, because it is perfect God's way, but it's not perfect what we see around us every day. So God wants to help us in that. Uh, he wants to help us as Christians to be uh, the light of the world for God and let him work through us and shine through us in what we do. I want to preface this message today with some things that I have. And I listen, I've sat down. I told Kim yesterday, I sat down. I, I went through my message, and, and I, I, I was, you know, very cautious about should I really, should I, should I teach this or not? Yes. And I think I should. I think it really is God. And I was listening to God, and he said yes, but he said you, you need to preface things. He said, so I really, I really sat down at the kitchen table and sat down and asked God to Give me some thoughts of how, what I need to say before I preach the message. And he, he gave me this, and I'm going to share it with you. You may not think it's much relevance to this, but I, I just, it was like I was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit at the time, you know. And not that I'm somebody God really uses, but, but I, I'm, who, I'm who he needed me to say. He knows I was going to preach this today. So he downloaded this into me right then. And I just wrote. And this is the same. When I'm doing that, I'm thinking this is the same way Paul did. And Paul wrote the message that I'm going to preach today. Paul wrote it before me. Wrote it out in biblical form in the book of Romans. And so I'm just, I'm just expounding on it a little deeper for us here today. Okay? So let me read this to you first. I believe... Uh, some things that I believe have, have made it more difficult for Christians to share the gospel to an unbelieving segment of our society. I, I shared a couple of weeks ago about how when Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart, you remember when they fell? Some of y'all are too young, but back in the 80s, I think it was, when they fell into sin, it hurt the whole body of Christ. Uh, it hurt e- even our church. 
I mean, people quit giving uh, because they couldn't trust Christians anymore. They felt like, man, these guys are on TV all the time. They're, they're supposed to be leaders. They're not supposed to be uh, committing adultery and all these things like this. And, and uh, so it really hurt the body of Christ. And the truth is, and I, I say this only because I know that, that mankind is not perfect on this earth. But there will be other leaders in the body of Christ who will fail sometime in the future as well. There will be. So in this man, so we don't put our trust in a man is what I want to continue to say. We don't put our trust in a man. We put our trust in the Word of God. Amen? Because men will fail. Men will let you down. But God will never fail you or let you go, let you down. So in this message today, I want us all to be mindful of where grace and truth plays such a powerful role in Christian leadership and pastoral leadership. And all the way down to the average, everyday Christian. Grace and truth play a powerful role in how we live as Christians. Amen. Amen. Both, both in the church and in the society we live in and culture. We can all agree right now, right here, this very moment, that God loves us unconditionally. Amen. Amen. And we are highly valued and favored, right? You've been here long enough to understand that truth. Right? Do we ever disappoint God? Yes. Yes. I believe we can and do at times because the Bible says the Holy Spirit can grieve. And so I know we we grieve Him at times. And we usually know when we have. Amen? We usually know when we've done that. So one of my main goals as your pastor is is to present truth with grace to you. That will help lead you to a more grace-filled view of the world around you. Because, listen, in, in order to reach an unsaved world around us, we've got to have grace. You remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? You remember what, what they did? They brought her in front of Jesus and they had stones. All the Pharisees, all the religious people in that day. Brought her and threw her at the feet of Jesus and says, she's been caught in the act of adultery. The Bible, Scripture says we should stone her. And he told them, what did he tell the Pharisees? He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. They all dropped their rocks. Nobody could. The only one that could was Jesus. And he wouldn't. He didn't condemn her. But what did he say? He was full of grace, mercy and grace. And she looked up. I still see that movie, singing in the movie. She looked up at him and he told her, Mary, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Now see, and we see people out in public and they're sinning. They're they're doing this. It's in all kind of debauchery and we, we want to point at a finger out. Look, look, look at that awful. It's like, like the, okay, here's a good example, like the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Probably a lot of you were disgusted. And it's, it's, it's to us, it's ugly. It's ugly. I mean, it's distasteful. Let me say it a nicer way. But God loves J-Lo and Sha- Shakira. God loves them. 
Where's our grace and mercy? We don't have to watch that. We don't have to watch that. And we don't have to say it's okay. Because it wasn't. Okay? You listen to me? Grace. We have to learn grace. We have to learn grace. If we're ever going to reach these people, if we're ever going to get them to come or, or change, we have to learn how grace operates. Amen. None of us, listen to me carefully, none of us should ever think of ourselves as more highly than others. Ever. Ever. But honestly, we do at times, and that's what grieves the Holy Spirit as well. We may not really say words that grieve the Spirit, but often it's our attitudes, judgments, and critical thoughts. I'm still, I'm still on the download from God here. And listen, I'm the pastor and I do it sometimes. I just want to be open and honest with you. I do it too. So we're all maturing. And I pray that in this message today that we can grow more spiritually mature in this walk of truth with grace. Amen. That's the only way we're going to win people. To Jesus. Not to church. To Jesus. I have a few questions I want to ask you. Have you ever seen a post on Facebook and said, Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> we, we can all say that. Listen, Satan is behind. He's in the division business. And he's behind. He's directly involved in what's dividing America at this very moment. He's directly involved in all the, the fighting we see politically and spiritually in this country right now. And in the world. He, he, that's what he does. He comes to divide. If he can drive a wedge in your marriage, he's going to do it. And he's not going to stop until we go to heaven. He's going to always continue to do things like that. Amen? He's the source of the division. It's not Nancy Pelosi. It's not Donald Trump. It's, it's not a Democrat or Republican. It's the devil. And we have to realize who the source of all this mess is. Amen? So let's think and pray before we say something, before we post something that could be hurtful or embarrassing to some segment of society, no matter who it is or what it is. Let's think. Who could read this? Who, who, who could be on the other side? And, and, you know, I think if we do that first, before we just think a thought or, or we share something somebody else sent us, and then we share it too, Let's think about it before we do that. Who, who, who in society will this affect? I, that's all I'm asking. That's all God asks. Let's work hard to be more like Jesus. That lady called in the act of adultery. And he said, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. See, I don't know what somebody would do if, like he walked up to J-Lo and said, Go and sin no more, J-Lo. Your sins are forgiven. She'd probably laugh at you, but you planted a seed. You planted a word. And then you pray. You just pray. There'll be a time, and that's what you always need to do is also pray for the timing to be right. You know, 
But right at right at a, at the moment something is happening, it's not always the best time to go and do something and say something. Let things cool down. Let things cool down. Amen. So uh, I believe that was from the Lord. Uh, share, me sharing all that before I get into it. Let's dive in this morning. You ready? All right. We're, the the title of my message is Exchanging the Truth for a Lie. And I want to read from Romans chapter 1. And I, I got Kim's old Amplified Bible. Because it was just so rich in the Amplified. I mean, it really says, uh, Amplified is a lot of words. That's why they call it the woman's Bible, because it's a lot of words. It's the woman's Bible. It talks a lot. Yeah. Amen. Beginning in verse 16, and they'll, they'll have it up there. That's, I think we got the right same one. Yeah, I believe that's the same version. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, a, righteous, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against an ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because, of, because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his visible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. His handiworks. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification, because when they knew and recognized him as the God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginations, foolish reasoning and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. Pretty powerful. Paul writing this, writing this out for us. The gospel is the power of God that releases the effects of salvation in our lives. Uh, Salvation is much more than just being born again. If we as Christians aren't experiencing the abundance that Jesus provided for us in any area of our lives, then we are simply having a problem understanding and or believing the gospel. We read a moment ago that the just shall live by faith. Listen to me now. The same faith that resulted in salvation... For you is the same faith that sustains you in your walk. It's the same faith. 
From the beginning of time, faith in God has been the common factor of man receiving salvation and living righteously. In the Old Testament, people weren't saved by works or obedience uh, to the law any more than they than in the New Testament. The Old Testament people put faith in the Messiah who was yet to come. And today, Jesus, the Messiah, has come, and our faith is in Him. Amen? Our righteousness is in Him. Our healing is in Him. Our joy is in Him. Our provision is in Him. Our strength is in Him. Our peace is in Him. And through our faith in Him, we have abundant life for in Him we live. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. In Him. In Him. I had, it, took me, it took me months to get that into my dad. Riding around with my dad, preaching to him. Because he was, he was, he was weighing his salvation on a scale. You know, and he was balancing out all his good and bads. You're never going to make it that way, Dad. I said, you're never going to get there like that, Dad. You need Jesus. Hey, that's what the law was for. That's what the law was given to us. The Old Testament was given to us to show us that we could never do that. Only Jesus did it. No one else has ever perfected it. Even if you could now today, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not, not any of your obedience to the law is going to get you to heaven. You know that. And our faith in Him continually sustains our lives Today in Him, in Him. This is why it's so important to know that our faith for salvation is also the same faith for all that Jesus has for us in this life now and eternally. And, and He gave us that faith. It came from Him. He gave us that faith to believe. The just, another word for just is justified. The justified shall live by faith every day. We live by faith every day. We don't just visit faith every once in a while. We live in and by faith. Romans 1.17. Romans 1.17 says, For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing forth from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. A lot of faith in there. Amen. <laughs> So as it is written, listen, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Let me say this right here. Now, I know most of you know this, but many folks don't realize this truth. God's righteousness cannot be earned. Cannot be earned. It can only be acquired through faith. And that faith to believe for that comes from God. Can we just take a moment and thank Jesus? Thank you, Jesus, for giving us faith. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us faith to believe, faith to walk, faith to live, faith to believe for healing, faith to believe for prosperity, faith to believe for all your promises in the Bible. Thank you for giving us that faith. Amen. Amen. God's righteousness that you acquire through faith is not a reward you earned, but a position by faith in Christ 
you received. It's a position. Amen. You know, I was a quarterback in high school. Not very good. Not a very good quarterback. I was too slow. But anyway, I was a quarterback because that's all we had in Luling. <laughs> and, she was, and she was a cheerleader. So I'd run sweeps out to that cheerleader side and crash out there. <laughs> but but when, I, when a receiver would run out for a pass, listen, I threw the ball where he was going to be. He never got never got it, but anyway, I threw it, I threw it, I threw it where he where the route was supposed to end up. That and I threw it there, even if he was a, he was going to get there when the ball got there. You know, that's the way you look, and that's our position. It's a position that the receiver had to get there to receive it. And our position in life is to get to the place where you receive what God is downloading into you. Get to that place, Amen. In your walk, Amen. That was pretty good. I should have done that on Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to read. I'm going to read back and kind of expound on each one of those verses I read previously in the first in the beginning. Romans eight. Romans one eighteen. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, in their wickedness, repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. Now, the good news that we need to know today is that God has placed his wrath for our sins upon his own son so that we are completely forgiven today. Now, that's good news, isn't it? Well, you know, all the things that we we have done wrong are doing wrong and will do wrong have all been placed on Jesus. Now, that's just good news. And religious people say, there's no way. Pastor, that can be true. Well, that's what Paul just said. He just said it. I tell you, this good news draws men to God more than bad news will. You, if you don't get right with God, you're going to hell. You know, that's what people say. Does that help people? Because you're a stinking rotten sinner. You need to get right with God or you're going to burn in hell. I remember there was a there was a church in Luling that used to run a, a parade, a float through the parade that says, Turn or burn in the parade. Watermelon thump. Boy, yeah. Makes you want to go to that church. I mean it's true, but it's not good news. Verse 19 says, For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God Himself has shown it to them. The Apostle Paul is saying here in verse 19 that there is an intuitive revelation of God within every human being. I just knew there was a God before I was ever saved. I knew there was a God. I told you I used to go sit in the Episcopal Church. They never locked the doors back then. It's right across the street from my house. And I'd just walk over there and sit in that place for an hour or two, sometimes just to get away from the house and, and the parents. And I'd just go sit in there and I knew God was with me. But I didn't, I didn't know Him yet. But I knew there was a God. I had, a, I had intuitive knowledge that there's a God out there somewhere. He just wasn't in here yet. Amen? But He loved me. He loved me 2,000 years ago. He sent His Son to die for me. But I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that. 
God has placed a witness within every man against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. We know, and we've always known, before Christ we knew what was good and what wasn't good. We knew that. We knew that. We are without excuse. God gives every individual the right to choose. He didn't make us robots. That's why. That's why He doesn't just go ahead and destroy Satan right now. He didn't make us robots. He wants us to make the choice on our own. Romans 1.20 says, Forever forever since the creation of the world, His invisible nature and attributes, that is, His eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. His handiworks. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification. God has not only given men knowledge of himself, but also understanding to use that knowledge. Amen? Listen, no one will be able to stand before God on judgment and say, on judgment day, and say, God, you're just not fair. Just not fair. And people say that today all the time. They say, that's not fair. When somebody gets killed or something, they say, that's not fair. That's not fair. He's given every person who has ever lived, regardless of how remote or isolated they may have been, the opportunity to know Him. They are without excuse. Because, verse 21. Verse 21 says, because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginations, foolish reasoning and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. I'm just, you know, this is truth. I'm presenting truth to you today. We can choose to honor God or we can reject Him and follow our vain and stupid ways. And many, many do. That's why, that's why, man, it grieves me. It grieves me when I see friends of mine, citizens of Luling, that I, when I'm out in public, that are suffering from the from the sin and the curse of this world because they don't know God. But they're without excuse. What Paul says. And they're just choosing to say no. I think many of the people, they don't know the whole truth. You know, you go into the court and you say, you tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Well, I think people don't know the whole truth. They know some truth. But they don't know the whole truth because I didn't know the whole truth even after I got saved until I grew spiritually and and matured spiritually and and got in the Word and had the Word taught to me and planted in me and grew in me. Amen? So we can choose to honor God or we can reject Him and follow our own vain and stupid ways. Verse 22 says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. You know what another name for simpleton is? Idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's not nice to call somebody an idiot. But, but really, basically, that's what Paul's saying here. Verse 25 says, Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather 
than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So be it. He is. Now, in remembering the subject of this series, we must understand that many people actually believe that our ways are better than God's ways. There's many people out there in the world today that will just tell you, I know better than God on this. Well, watch yourself. <laughs> and, in regard, and in regard to sexuality, which is what Paul really is addressing here in Romans 1, we replace God's pattern with our preferences, exchanging what God's Word says about sexuality for what our observation and experience say about it. And yet many are so blind to their own deception. Satan has deceived them. Because his ultimate goal for man, mankind, is to kill and destroy. That's what his goal is. He don't love you. He don't, I mean, he don't care about how you live. He just wants to kill you. He hates, he hates you because Jesus died for you. He hates you. Now, you can't get out of that because Jesus died for everybody. That is saved and unsaved today. He died for everybody. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its, its end is the way of death. And I like the way the Passion put it. The Passion says, You can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you have chosen, but you'll find out in the end that you took the road to destruction. Sadly so. The real danger here is our claim to know better than God what is best for our bodies and to justify sexual sin as a result. Listen, if truth, listen to this, it's really good. If truth sets you free, believing a lie will put you in bondage. Every time. Every time. So there is so much sexual sin in our world today and sadly, many in our society don't feel like there's anything wrong with most of it. You know, the, ha- the halftime show was offensive to, to most Christians, I believe. If, there's any, if you have any moral values in you at all, it was offensive. It's entertainment. It was supposed to be entertainment, but it was vulgar. Uh, it was just vulgar. And, man, you know, in the world, you tell that to the world, and they just say, oh, yeah, you're just a stick in the mud. You know, let it go. Well, we've let it go. We've let it go for 60, 70 years now. Maybe since the roaring 20s. I don't know how it was back then, but we've let it go. But Paul didn't say let it go. There is, there, today there is legal but absolutely immoral prostitution. In our world and in here in the United States. And illegal and horrible sex trafficking. Here in the United States of young girls right here in this country. It's appalling to me. We constantly hear about sex scandals even in the church. Kim and I uh, went to the Dream Center in California, Los Angeles. With uh, That has been years ago. How long was it? 2005, I think it was, something like that. But the Dream Center is a, a place where they go and they help people all over. It's Tommy Barnett's ministry. Uh, 
his son, Matthew Barnett, heads that ministry up in, in Los Angeles now. And they, they, they go down to the Hollywood Boulevard area and rescue prostitutes off the street. They get them off the street. And they bring them back to their headquarters. And they help train them in a trade to get them a job. And they get them off. They get them out of that lifestyle. And, and they told us when we were there that the pimps chase them back. They, when they pick up the girls, somebody calls the pimp, and the pimp chases them back to the headquarters. And they have a place where they pull in, they pull in a big gate, and they go in there and lock the gate. And they're in there. We went in that hospital. It's an old, the old Angeles Hospital in Los Angeles. And they're still doing it to this day, saving these people, getting them out, getting them out of that lifestyle. And they just called. Matthew felt called to do that. The church, and it's called, he wrote a book a while back because the church that never sleeps. They're the church that never sleeps. And they're doing a powerful work over there. But, but sexual sin is rampant in the world. And those in the body of Christ are not immune to its temptations. But listen, I'm so thankful that Jesus took the penalty upon Himself. For all the sexual sins of mankind and every single lust that we will ever have or have ever had. Aren't you glad? Amen. You, can, you, can, you can rest calmly. I'm not going to call everybody up for their sexual sins. I'm not going to do oh, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to do that. So don't, don't get to thinking, oh, are you going to? No, I'm not going to do that. Listen. I know, I know we have a, a, probably a lot of people in here that have sexual sins in their own life. And God forgives you. Listen, God forgives you. But He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free from that. Don't, don't exchange the truth for a lie. Listen, we were all created with sinful natures and sinful desires. Tempt every one of us. Every one of us. But Jesus also, tempted in every way that we are, He was. And He never sinned. He showed us that we can do it too. That's what He did. He showed us that we don't have to do that. That we can, we can be set free. We can be delivered. We can submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee in Jesus' name. Amen? But the first part of that is submit to God. Submit ourselves to God. Another word for submit is to surrender or yield. Give up to Him. Bring, being true to who God created you to be is rejecting temptations and walking in the victory that Christ has given you. You know, a lot of people say, a lot of people say, they'll come up with this. Well, you know, if I don't really follow my instincts or my passions, whether they be sinful or not, it's just not being who I'm really, who I'm really, who I really am. Well, listen, God didn't make you; He didn't create you to become a sinner. He didn't create us to to follow after sin. He created us for righteousness and holiness. So, if you really want, to, if you really want to be who God's called you to be, then you'll be holy, acceptable unto God. Yeah. That's who you really, that's who God really made you to be. 
That's who he really wants you to be. Amen. Amen. Honoring God, spirit, soul, and body. That's who he called us to be, every one of us. Jesus took all our sins, all of them, upon himself and died for us. He gave his body so we can walk in victory with ours. He sees our bodies as invaluable, priceless, an eternal treasure of his handiwork. You know, there in the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus cried, great drops of and they, they sweat and blood came. And then he saw us. He saw us right here in Maranatha today. And he said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. And he drank that bitter cup. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not in Israel. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, that song we sing, and he's rebuilding, uh, Days of Elijah, he's rebuilding a temple of praise. That temple's not going to praise, but you are. You're the temple of praise that he's rebuilding, and he's bringing more in, more and more and more all the time. Amen? And when you trust in Christ, no matter what sexual sins you've committed with your body, you can be sure that because of Jesus' sacrifice, your sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb of God. We are victorious because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. I have, I have a prayer and then I, wanna, I want us to make some declarations. So don't leave. Kim, can you come and just begin to play that song? Wow. Quiet my heart. I'm listening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are victorious because of the blood of Jesus. He has made it possible for us to resist the devil and say no to temptations. In Christ, we have power to walk in victory over all temptations. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we are free. In Christ, we are made whole in every area of our lives. Amen. Amen. Now, let's just declare this after me. I want you to repeat this after me and declare it. Thank you, God, for truth. I will not ever exchange the truth for a lie. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will always honor God. In my thoughts, in my actions, in my words, in my posts, And in my body. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. I want to sing this. Can you pull that song back up? Sing that song again.